You're listening to the Can Dare Podcast, your sidekick in the quest for knowledge, power, and entertainment. So strap yourselves in and prepare for victory! Everyone and welcome to a very special episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Randy Hardenbrook. And returning to the show today, um, you know, when we're talking about Avengers Endgame, there's no one better to bring to the show than the guy who brought Zordon to life on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Mr. David J. Fielding. Thank you so much for being back with us, Dave. Oh, happy to be here. Happy to be here. I thought of you immediately because, um, you know, in all the episodes we've done where we've talked with different people about Marvel films, uh, no one's quite as passionate as you are. And I, I respect that and I love that. So uh, I'm looking forward to a good conversation here today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot to unpack. So. <laughs> that there is. But uh, before we do that, we got to run through a few things here first. Uh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Uh, on Twitter, we're at CannedAirPod, and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you like the show, you like what we're doing, head over to Patreon.com forward slash CannedAirPod. And uh, you can donate $5 a month to get access to our Candair Patreon pod. It's the show you can only listen to if you're a Patreon backer. And uh, we have a lot of fun doing that show. So there's a whole catalog up there for you to uh, get invested with so uh, keep that in mind and don't forget that may 3rd uh friday at midnight your pretty face is going to hell season four premiere uh i cannot wait to see this that's gonna we, be awesome yeah we just welcome matt servito to the show who plays satan in that show and was uh also played a role in the sopranos mm-hmm. was a hell of a lot of fun to talk to that's just a few episodes ago so uh, i advise checking that out as well and again set your uh, dvr for midnight friday may 3rd your pretty face is going to hell on adult swim uh, anything else before we start? Society6, uh, get some merch. There you go. I forgot about that. Society6.com forward slash Pod, where you can get Candare t-shirts, mugs, decals, anything your uh, your heart desires, really. So, All right. So right before we jump into the Avengers Endgame conversation, we have to sound the spoilers alarm because uh, after, after this alarm quits sounding that you're hearing in the background right now, Full spoilers ahead. We are not holding back. So, yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, don't want to have anything ruined, tune out now. You have been warned. All right, let's turn our attention over to David here, because I want to get his opinion first and foremost on uh, what you thought of Avengers Endgame. Uh, Overall, I thought it was uh, very, 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 very good. Yes. Uh, I, I was born in 1963, in March of 1963. The Avengers were born in September of 1963. So wow. I've been alive as long as the Avengers have been alive. And to know these characters and to see how well, for the most part, the MCU has brought these characters to life is um, kind of a, a emotional. Absolutely. Uh, so if you... Uh, if you hear my voice warble a couple of times, that, that's why. Um, also, I mean, we're, what, it's it's a, been 11 years since Tony Stark uttered those uh, words, I am Iron Man. Right. 22 and, films ago, right? Yeah. And that first film did the one thing that fans had been wanting for such a long time was just the, the mere acknowledgement that Tony belonged to a bigger world, that there was other things going on in it 
uh, and that they were going to bring those to life. And so from that moment, we were all on a very, very special journey. And so to <clears throat> to sit through this this three hour epic um, with everything that happened in it, it's um, <laughs> it it's 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 heartwarming, it's heartbreaking, and it's it's the end of an era. No doubt. Yeah, I I can totally relate with you. I did not think um, it would really. Sh- hit me as hard as it did and you know the scene where everybody comes out of the portals and line up behind cap that's when it hit me hard that's when the tears start streaming and uh, just seeing the magnitude you know the the accumulation of everything that's come from these past uh, 22 films the past 11 years it's incredible absolutely incredible so I understand the emotion. And when I saw it again uh, this morning, you know, I, I, I remembered, obviously, the parts that were uh, tearjerkers. And I just paid attention to people around me. And I just heard people sobbing, yeah. sobbing. And you, not just one person, not two, all over the theater, people are sobbing. I just love that. Absolutely love it. I don't think I've ever been in a movie where you kind of have this open, like, crying just throughout the entire right. theater. Right. The only other time I think I've really cried at a film was uh, Toy Story 3 when okay. uh, Andy was letting go of Woody. I mean, that was heart-wrenching. Yeah. Heart-wrenching. And, Three for Toy Story 4, because I'm pretty sure that's going to break hearts, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it should, uh, certainly will. As emotional as this movie was, I, I don't think it's the best one of the MCU. Um, I think there are issues with it, and I think there are some missteps but overall, uh, the the payoff at the end, I think we we all take from these movies certain things that uplift us, and and those are the things that I really want to like go forward with is the stuff that uplifts me. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very complicated, very in depth and involved movie, and there were there were a couple of things in it that made me scratch my head about well why why did they make that choice. Um, and but then there are other moments that just made my heart swell and i saw some things that i have been wanting to see i heard some things that i've been wanting to hear for 11 years and so <laughs> yeah so let's get into it <laughs> yeah Absolutely. And I'm even very excited to hear that you uh, have some issues with it. You know, I was concerned that our conversation would be 100 percent positive. You know, I'm I've I've got a few things myself, but I'm uh, very anxious to hear what those things are. So uh, if you want to, I'm anxious to if you want to start right there. What were some of your grievances with it? Uh, Well, uh, some of my grievances were uh, there was a moment in Act One. which they highlighted on another podcast, which I also sort of like picked up on that they didn't have a payoff for in Act Three, and I thought that was a real missed opportunity for them. I thought I thought the opening scene with Hawkeye was just heartrending. Uh, oh, I thought yeah. that, mm-hmm. that was a great way to to start, but it, it did sort of like put us in this very sort of very somber, very low energy. Uh, place for like a solid half hour, 40 minutes. And um, it really wasn't until um, Scott Lang, Paul Rudd shows up that the movie really starts to take off. Um, A lot of the issues that, that the Avengers are dealing with in this movie are PTSD, guilt, 
and also on some level some selfishness. And so I thought it was great character-wise that we got to sit with these guys for some time. I know that some other people have have felt like all of that stuff could have been laid by the wayside and the movie could have been chopped by 40 minutes and we would have been fine just picking up with Scott Lang showing up and getting everything getting everything rolling. But I, I think we needed to sit with Cap and Natasha and Rhodey and everybody else to sort of like really get the the breadth and depth and weight of what was going on. Just kind of right. learn how they were coping with mm-hmm. everything. Uh, after the end of Infinity War and within the first half hour of this movie, the Avengers failed twice. Right, right. Uh, even though they accomplished the goal of ending Thanos, it's too late. There's nothing to do. And that also brings up a, a larger issue, uh, a logic issue for later on, because the more I think about it, the more I think, wow, the Avengers really screwed up big time by bringing everybody back. But that's that's a, that's a philosophical debate that could take hours and I don't think we want to go into that whole thing. So, <laughs> because after five years, if you bring everybody back and they sort of understood that they were gone for five years and the people that remained were, you know, five years without those people. And now suddenly those people are back in their lives. And that's a whole lot of emotional, psychological, financial snarl that how is the world going to deal with the return uh, right, all these people just reappearing all of a sudden. Yeah, right. The the one moment, uh, I mean, I really, I really love the fact that Iron Man or Tony Stark and Cap have this bitter reunion. Uh, Same here. Yeah. The uh, everything that Tony told Cap was exactly true, mm-hmm. uh, and he he was completely justified to to be that angry and that bitter and that broken. Uh, about that, and that that brings up the moment that that I think that they that they drop the ball on. Tony gives him the arc reactor, right? And so you put this on, and you hide because it's not going to help you anyway. And so, in the, in the third act, when when they're actually confronting uh, Thanos, when Tony and Cap and Thor are there, the threesome con- conf- confronting Thanos, why didn't Cap use it? Why couldn't Cap have been the three Avengers together wearing that, that half-broken arc reactor to give him some of Iron Man's armor, holding on to Thor's hammer? Oh, and wow. that would have been, you know, the one guy who could have gone toe-to-toe with Thanos. And that would have made that wonderful, heart-swelling moment of seeing Cap pick up the hammer even bigger, and uh, I have to give credit to another podcast that that they uh, they had addressed that point too. Uh, Talked with superheroes, I think, is the one uh, that that did that. But um, that would have been an amazing moment. But but yeah, I mean, where do, where do we start as far as like characters? Um. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess the first character I had in mind was Scott Lang. Like you were saying, that's kind of where the movie started to pick up, and uh, everything started to snowball from his uh, re-entry. And I guess we can, on a funny kind of level, say that Thanos, if you trace trace it back far enough, was defeated by a rat, right? To me, that was like, that seemed like a very odd choice. Yeah, same here. Uh, I mean, Tony Tony makes the point that it's a one in a billion fluke that that, that would happen. And to me, I was like, why, did, why was it that choice? Why was it not just 
somebody fooling around with it and and you know clicking buttons or whatever to, but to make it a sort of non-sentient creature that was just happened to be walking across it at a certain moment to turn it back on there seemed to be a quite a number of moments in the movie where things just kind of happened by chance right yeah and that seemed kind of weak story-wise but uh that's just the writer in me trying to puzzle all that out about why they made that choice and and I don't know if it's because they were kind of moving into let's let's pick up the humor element of the movie at this point and sort of like we've we've done our moment in the sadness now let's 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 insert some action and some humor and and go from there. So I don't I don't know. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. What an odd choice uh, that is. Like you said, it could have been anybody trying to figure out what it was. I mean, how many people were interested in uh, PIM technology? Uh, up to that point and then for you know this van containing this technology just to end up in like a storage locker with rats crawling all over it i don't know okay so let let's 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 kind of go back so the movie starts with everybody uh, with captain marvel has already been there uh who by the way i think was super underutilized in this movie i don't know why that choice was made i mean i mean carol does say that you know there are thousands of other planets out there and they don't have you guys and i need to take care of all that stuff which is a convenient excuse for her not to be there uh but because of all the buildup about what's going to happen in phase four and, and captain marvel and they didn't use her to her greatest effectiveness i think and maybe that was because they didn't want it to end quickly <laughs> that could be I, I've kind of got a I, I don't know I'm on the other end of that spectrum I thought she was utilized personally the perfect amount I guess when perf when when Captain Marvel came out my biggest concern was like okay we've got one movie with this character just a few months before um, you know Endgame comes out so it seemed like okay here's this awesome power that you guys are obviously going to need and then if she were to be in too much of it it would have ruined it for me not that i dislike her but i haven't grown with her right. i guess so to have her in the beginning and then at the end seemed like a good balance for me personally almost yeah, feels I, like it would have detracted from the other characters maybe a little bit closure maybe a little sure i, I mean i i really missed the uh end credit teaser from captain marvel I wanted to see that recreated here in Endgame. I, I wanted to see the you know the Avengers react to her arriving. But what, what we get is that she's there. They know each other. They accept her, and then you know we get that wonderful "I'm going to go kill Thanos" moment. And um, that that shared agreement between her and Cap, like "Yeah, let's get this done." I thought that was great. Which leads into a very horrible moment for Thor. <laughs> yeah, but we can get into that. But yeah, that that whole front end uh took a long time to get to where the the movie really kind of picked up its pace some of it was 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 necessary i think because we 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 love these characters and we want to sit with them the the scene of of natasha uh talking to the holograms of other other people and getting updates about what's going on with them and you know the possible introduction of another character that we haven't seen yet that that might show up in black panther 2 or or in one of the other movies uh, was kind of brushed over really quickly, and I'm not sure how many people picked up on it. But I uh, didn't. I missed that. Yeah, I'm not sure who you're referring to. Uh, well, when when Natasha asks Okoyo about the undersea earthquake, is oh Namor? Is that a Namor? <gasps> we don't know. I didn't even. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. That and would be sweet. Your reaction is like we handle it by not handling it. <laughs> yeah. 
because you know so that uh and we also get you know the the hint about what's going on with ronan uh from roadie um, right uh, i did like nat's speech about being better but i i think they I really have to agree with some of the criticism that's come out about how Black Widow has been treated uh, as a, as a character, and oh yeah, yes, her existence to only get the stone and and to you know it's so it's such a trope that the girl has to die, and uh, it's different from the the murder that Thanos commits because. Thanos is so focused on his destiny that, yeah, there was it was just straight up murder. Uh, but here it, it seemed like I'm doing this not only you know to get the stone, but also to give Hawkeye a reason to move on. And um, that to me, I I'm not I don't agree with that moment. Um, uh, I'm, again, but then again, it's like when you're writing the, uh, a, a movie this big with all these characters, who goes where? to do what what aspect of it it's like i don't know what kind of headaches they went through to get to the, all those pieces to fit together like that like <laughs> right you know because if if you send rody and nebula to go get the the soul stone there's no emotional impact there because uh you know rody and nebula don't have a relationship it doesn't matter to one one way or the other who's going to go over you know so i i get from an emotional standpoint why it had to be uh clinton nat right. but I was uh, I was all on board with with Clint sacrificing himself. I guess they they couldn't do that because of the Disney Plus uh, Hawkeye series that they have planned. So that makes sense. Yeah. Do you think that maybe they're going to have more time to kind of flesh out Black Widow and kind of why she did what she did with the upcoming movie? I, I don't know. I mean, Scarlett Johansson has done such a, a great job as far as like making that an, an emotionally rounded character. Right. Uh, her, her, you know, her confession in Winter Soldier, her confession in Age of Ultron. You know, we see that this is this is a this is a fully fleshed out character. It's not just a uh, Maria Hill who just kind of like, even though Colby Smulders does a great job. I mean, it's a very two dimensional character. There's she just shows up and is very competent and gets gets the job done. But here, you know, we, we've seen Nat become very vulnerable and and scared and. She's just a girl who's really athletic and very highly skilled, but at the same time, she she can't do what Cap does. She can't do what Thor does. She's right. you know she's just a very very highly athletic, skilled woman. And then to just sort of like use her as an excuse to get the stone again, I, I felt they I felt that was. I see again, what you're saying. I I do. You know I. If anyone has, you know, listened to this show religiously, they'll hear me every time we talk about a Marvel movie say how I've disliked her character a little more and more as they come out. And it's not to say that, uh, you know, when she first showed up in Iron Man 2, <clears throat> loved her. And then what was her second appearance after that? Was it Winter Soldier? I can't remember, but I even liked her in that. But it just seemed like as her character, you're right. I mean, her story did progress, but her just her lines just seemed to kind of get cheesy. I can't think of like when her and um, Banner were kind of interacting romantically at the beginning of Age of Ultron kind of came across as corny and like the line when I can't remember what film it was Captain America dropped his shield on the street when he's fighting on top of a semi oh, and she, she, you guys yeah. 
Yeah, like, am I always having to pick up after you boys and stuff? I just like, man, you can do better than that with her. This movie, though, I mean, I get what you're saying, David, totally. I hadn't thought of it from that perspective. But this movie, for me personally, really brought her back for me. Her whole speech about this this team, this family made me better, and I want to continue to be better, mm-hmm. I think is is awesome. Yeah. And you know, it really sort of punches up, you know, Steve's, you know, always talking about it, this job. And uh, it, it really is a job for these guys because uh, nobody else in the world does it. Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's anything else we can chat about as far as like uh, Black Widow, but because there's so many characters we can talk about. <laughs> right. No, I get it. No, I'm glad you touched on her, too. But I just loved how she assumed, you know, when it cut to that five years later, she was in that director role. And it just seemed so fitting. I loved I don't know. I just I just loved that character in this movie. I really did. Yeah. But okay, uh, let's move to our next character. Uh, how about let's say Nebula? What do we think about Nebula? This is a really odd one because so much hinges on Nebula in this movie. Again, it, it seemed like one of those convenient plot point, convenient moments where the decision was made that since there was a Nebula in the past and a Nebula in the present, how is it that their networks are joined? It that seemed like a very sort of convenient <laughs> convenient for story wise yeah yeah i get that um like she's pulling double duty where you know the older version was almost filling like a taraxia role for the comics yeah yeah because it was very convenient that that her her neural network would just sort of malfunction right there in the room with thanos to to alert them that <laughs> right well, after the stones it's like that seems very super convenient. Again, much like the rat running across the keyboard. Yeah. How very convenient that 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 that, that happened. So, yeah. you know, and another thing, I don't even have Gamora written down here, but I guess, you know, since she wasn't in the movie a whole lot, I, she could fall in the nebula category. Another, I guess a thing that kind of upset me at the end was how quickly she gave trust to the new the the nebula of the future you know she just like with a snap of her fingers was no pun intended was uh breaking future nebula out and you know joining the good guys yeah i mean nebula has the line about you uh you know you want to do this anyway because because she's from the future uh and she knows the 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 arc that Gar- the, the gamora goes through mm-hmm sort of like read Gamora's thoughts at that point should have been a bigger moment for Gamora, I think, uh, yeah. to sort of, how do you know that, you know, uh, that I've been keeping that so close to my chest. How do you, how do you know that uh, again? But because the movie is so big, because there's so much going on, I, I really have to applaud the, the creators for like making these really difficult choices and then living with them. You know what I mean? I mean, cause there are, man, there's so much to unpack as far as, what's going on i mean for me uh infinity war is almost picture perfect as a film and endgame just didn't get there because there were so many pieces that needed to come together to you know to get us to that point um so we get that that third act of of everybody showing up and going against thanos and his minions and stuff so yeah i mean it on one hand it seems really kind of uh dickish to sort of like nitpick all of these choices and stuff and 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 <laughs> stuff but on, on the other hand you know we we wanted it to be so great and and parts of it were parts of it were just 
jaw-droppingly awesome. Right. <laughs> I'm curious on down the road, and maybe we'll have to bring you back for this, is when it gets released on DVD, if there or excuse me, Blu-ray, <laughs> if oh, there are any deleted scenes that oh, maybe yeah. kind of yeah. were cut that might clarify some of this? Well, I mean, if you look at if you look at one of the trainers uh, trailers, one of my favorite Steve Rogers moments is it had to have been during the uh, the therapy session scene, yeah. but in the, in the trailer, there's a facial expression that Chris Evans makes, and I really wanted to know what was said to him to make him screw up his face like that because you can see on his on his face is like, yeah, I screwed up, I messed up, and there's nothing I can do about it. You know, he moves his jaw in such a way and he chews on his lip in such a way that I, I really want to know what was said in that moment. And, and we didn't get that. I mean, that was just left on the cutting room floor. So yeah. I don't know. I can understand that. You know, I, I got to I'm going to backtrack just a little bit to something you said about, you know, the Blu-ray release and uh, possibly, you know, deleted scenes. I I would love with Infinity War and uh, with Endgame and I realize Infinity War is already out but uh, you know, remember how the Lord of the Rings films were? They had the extended cuts come mm-hmm. out with like another like thirty to forty minutes of cut footage, right? You know, and um, maybe this is a taboo thought, but so one thing I would like to see the MCU do because I've been seeing on social media, and maybe it's just something a fan made, but it looks a pretty official, like a whole box set that's going to contain all twenty two, twenty three films that, that has <laughs> the glove on the front, you know. And I'm, I was wondering if they're going to George Lucas some of those early films and go in and replace that kind of grimace-looking Thanos with the actual, like, Josh Brolin Thanos to maintain a more continuity. I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Oh, I don't know. Oh, gosh. We didn't get, like, anything really definitive from him. It was just kind of, like, at first, like a so- side profile. Right. Second, it was a full-on, which he looked closer, but it was, again, just a sentence. So I don't know how vested we are. I, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm fairly sure some uh, somewhere down the line we're going to get uh, an Infinity War endgame combined showing whether it whether it ends up in a movie theater or at a you know at the alamo draft house where they play them back to back stitch them together without the credits and that would be something to sit through and you really would have to have an intermission and a pee break during that thing but right uh, right let me tell know. you how proud of myself i am i sat through that film twice not once did i get up to take a pee break but yeah i mean it was it it's it seemed very easily easily done but um I, I mean, it wouldn't be if I didn't prepare, but like I woke up in the morning and I was like, okay, uh, very little water. Absolutely no coffee. You, you know, you have to premeditate these things. Otherwise, I'd be screwed. So uh, any other thoughts on Nebula before we move on? Uh, well, I mean, there was there was one thing that really kind of like I'm I want to know how it worked out because I, I how did they get Thanos's ship through into the quantum realm? Yeah, you you see her hand him uh, like pim particles, and the next thing you know, the ship's just jumping yeah. through these wormholes. I was wondering that myself. Like, well, if she, she needed those pim particles to get herself back to sort of fool everybody and say I'm here and it's not really me, but you don't know that. And what did they use to get Thanos's ship into the quantum realm? I don't I don't know that. Uh, that that seemed very kind of again very convenient, very. Um, it just happened. Right. It was surprising because, you know, they introduce you to that whole concept. It's not even really said amongst the characters. It just cuts 
to Nebula turning the machine on. Next thing you know, here comes this ship growing piece by, you know, a little bit bigger through right. this wormhole. And you're like, what? Okay. How did that happen? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. He, he's holding a vial of pim particles. That's how it happened. <laughs> future nebula, future nebula, killing past nebula. Uh, I, I guess they address that address that with the whole talk about that's not how time travel works. If you if you alter something in the past, it doesn't alter your future or whatever. Right. Because uh, you know, <laughs> according to all other movies, time travel rules of time travel. If she shot herself, she would have died or, or right or faded away. Yeah. I, I guess I'm still not even fully understanding this movie's ex- explanation of time. I mean, I get like if we now were to go into the past, that past would be our future. But right. still, wouldn't that make an alternate timeline? Or wouldn't I be living with two two Jeremys in the world now, you know? Right. I mean, yeah, even even if they brought Thanos' ship through the quantum realm, there's still a Thanos in another part of the or Well, no, he I mean, he would have been dead in the future. Right. Because, like, yeah, the one that they killed at the end, because I thought I had the exact same thought until I sat down and really like thought about it. He, you know, was the 2012 Thanos, the one that came back from the past, because right, when right. they started returning the stones to the past, I'm like, it's just going to happen again. Right. But then I was like, wait a minute, that Thanos ceases to exist. So those stones will, you know, remain and under protection just, or go their own route. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, he had that really badass whirling double bladed thing yeah, that made him like really uh, formidable in a fight, even without the uh, the Infinity Stones. I just didn't understand why they weren't able to take him down quickly without it. I mean, but though again, again, those are all like story questions that we could like pick apart for for days on end so <laughs> i see your point though you know without without the gauntlet he just has this you know just a, a, a very organic weapon easily broken right facing on the god of thunder a man right. with unlimited technology at his fingertips and then just captain america yeah i mean you would think it would be an easy topple but yeah yeah i get that or well he's just being so freaking smug you know telling them his plan he even turns his back to them to like take his helmet off the end of his sword and put it on while he's still talking. I thought, now, now, shoot him in the back of the head, now, you know, <laughs> end it. But um, obviously that wouldn't be a good end to a movie. But you see what I'm saying. And and, and I, I guess that really sort of like is, uh, it points up the, the biggest flaw of the Avengers. And that is their their tendency to be selfish at some point. Um mm-hmm. Because even even though they do put themselves in the harm in harm's way uh, to protect the rest of us that, that can't fight a Thanos, it does seem like they're doing it for very selfish reasons. I'm I'm doing this because I failed the first time and I need to uh, I need to get my mojo back. And yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean that 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 wonderful moment uh, there at the beginning of the film where where Thor cuts his head off. Yeah. And and he has that that line, uh, you know, I I went for the head. Yeah. Uh, such a great callback and and such a horrible realization that you know how broken thor is that he fails twice right uh, or even more than that i mean i mean we we can talk for so much about thor and everything that he's been through and and how they finally got a handle on who this character is mm-hmm. only, only to reduce him to a a poor broken shell uh of a character um i just want to say this you know at at the top Every one of the actors that, that play these parts was brilliant. Oh, yeah. They're, Absolutely. They're, 
performances in these in these characters over the last eleven years has been so amazing. Even even with all the missteps and and moments that didn't quite work, I mean, at the core, the performances that all these actors have put in has just been really really. What an amazing accomplishment. I mean, if I ever get to meet any of these guys, I don't know if I'll be able to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just just stricken right there. No, I uh, I have to agree with you uh, on Thor. You know, I think his evolution through these films has been uh, mainly inspired just by box office numbers. I don't, you know, the, the first two Thors, I can't imagine... You know, obviously they're held in the grand scope of the Marvel Universe and loved and cherished there. But on their own, I don't think they did very well. Uh, no, Ragn- Chris Hemsworth has, has talked about that, How about how he went to Kevin Feige and said, this isn't working. We need to do something because uh, he goes, I, I really don't know who this character is. They're, they're, we need to change something to make this character work. And, and they started to do that in Age of Ultron. But it, it wasn't until Ragnarok that they really, really nailed yeah. who, who the character is. And like turning a knob, like finding a frequency. Right. And through these films, you've seen that um, they're kind of tuning him into that Guardians feel. Uh, yeah. You know, there was a heavy Guardians feel over Ragnarok, obviously. Oh. And um, I think this movie just really solidified it, obviously, with the ending him you know, departing with them, which, my God, I really do hope that's the future. Yeah. I hope too. that is the Guardians 3. Yeah. Because that would be amazing. Guardians of the, of, the, of the Galaxy? Yeah. That would be awesome. That would be amazing. <laughs> I've got a theory on that, and we can circle back at the end or whatever. Um, for me, it was really powerful, that moment when he kind of had that heart-to-heart with his mom. Yeah. It kind of solidified kind of that break where you went back to that old Thor in, you know, the Dark World movie and just kind of had that where his mom just told him like be who you want to be don't be who you have to be I feel like you should be right yeah. right and just it was, it was a great mix of the dark world thor meets the ragnarok thor because uh when he when he breaks down and says i'm totally from the future right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> such a great line reading and it's such a great moment and i know that 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 other people have been very critical about what they did with that character in this movie uh <laughs> About making him, you know, have a beer gut and uh, wallowing in self pity, and I didn't see it as body shaming in in the way that I think a lot of people might have taken it. I saw it as very body positive, and uh, having myself gone through some trauma and knowing how other people deal with trauma and knowing how there is a tendency to turn inward and to sort of wrap yourself in a layer, protective layer, whether it's blubber or just distance from other people, knowing that that's a very natural reaction to just how much this man has lost. Yeah. He, he hasn't gotten to that point where he's so low that he wants to end himself, but he, he, he can't rise, you know, to be better with it without, without the help of all of his friends. So, uh, while it was played for laughs, I don't think it was played untruthfully. I think, I think that was a very truthful, expression of what that character was going to go through at least that's my opinion no i totally agree with you and i um you know i think i can not that i totally agree but i can relate to some of the people's i guess grievances with thor in this movie 
how do I say this? You know, even he had a very silly cadence the whole time. You know, they're having a very serious conversations like Thor, what do you think? And then he's just, you know, kind of like weakened at Bernie's in the corner. Right. You have a laugh over it. But, um, you know, Ragnarok, I think, played the balance of Thor very well. You know, you still had those very silly moments. But when it came time to, you know, fight Hela, fight her minions, you know, shit got serious again. It, it picked up the same serious kind of tone that the previous films had given out during a serious battle. Uh, and in this film, while uh, they're all the three of them are fighting Thanos at the end, even in that moment, like where uh, he is blocking Thanos's blade with his axe and the hammer, they, the camera kind of focuses on Thor's face for a minute, and he's just kind of like, oh, 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 you know. And yeah. I think that shot in itself is kind of playing on a humor uh, aspect when it shouldn't be, you know, because right. he just looked kind of silly. His eyes were lighting up. He was making <laughs> that weird, kind of the same way they treated Gimli, I guess, in The Lord of the Rings, <laughs> more of a feel. On a personal note, you know, I, I can't wait to attend conventions in the future and see how many people cosplay as Lebowski Thor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was joking with Jeremy that I, I can do that now. He just said that before we started recording. That's, That's so funny you said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the fact that he, he passes the mantle on to Valkyrie. I think that's oh, the same here. So awesome. But we're, we're jumping ahead. We're we're getting to the end and we're not, we're not there yet. Kind of tie into Thor. And, and this is kind of an overarching thing I, I noticed throughout the whole movie. I'm sorry, I'm kind of bouncing around a little. I kind of found it interesting how if you take like the seven stages of grief and apply it to like most of the characters and between the two movies, between Endgame and between Infinity War, like you kind of see that play out. Mm. For me, I kind of thought about that with Tony. Um, you know, you have like the shock, denial, anger kind of at the beginning. Um, yeah. You have that bargaining moment <clears throat> with him where he's like, you know, I figured out how to do time travel, but, you know, I, I can I, I can forget it. I can put it away. And right. then just at the end of the moment or the end, you know, the acceptance thing where, it, you know, I am Iron Man and snaps oh, his fingers. Yeah. How impactful was that? Um, yeah. God, you know, you could kind of apply that to Thor too, almost like with the, the shock, the denial and the anger at the beginning of the moving movie. And then kind of the bargaining and the depression, you know, when he's mm -hmm. Lebowski Thor and then just kind of the, <laughs> you know, the, the acceptance at the end. And yeah. I don't know if that's a leap or not, but it just was something that was running through my mind. I think on some, some really good points, I think you could, you could find uh, all of those moments for all the characters. I mean, Clint Barton himself, I mean, he's so, so holding on to anger and denial. I mean, you know, he doesn't get to acceptance until after Nat's gone. And again, that goes back to, you know, Nat has to sacrifice herself in order for, for Clint to move on and not really sure if that moment worked as, as well as it should have. But Right, uh, right. No, I get that. And he's another character to kind of touch on quick. I don't have a whole lot to uh, say on him, you know, other than what's already been said, you know, that opening scene and how impactful it was. But, you know, I was so excited to see uh, the character Ronan. And, you know, we did see him, but it was just more of like a cameo because as quickly as you see him, like he's back with the Avengers and he's kind of back in his Hawkeye persona, which is fine because he was amazing. And I've always kind of, you know, since Age of Ultron, he has kind of been, um, I think, one of the main lightning rods of relatability, I think, for audiences. Just, you know, that that home life, a normal guy who's just 
wants to be with his family. You right. know what I mean? I can't and relate to an Asgardian god. I can't relate to a super soldier. I can't relate to a super genius for sure. <laughs> right. And he's the one who acknowledges that this is crazy. This is insane. You know, the you know, we're flying and I'm got a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um Endgame seems like it, it should have been two movies, but to make fans wait another year to see Endgame Part 2 would have been riots in the streets. Oh right. my god, I would have been so salty. <laughs> I mean, there, there's so many moments that, that they were exploring that seemed like they either should have cut those moments out or they should have gone the full four bore and let's really explore what happens in that five years. Do these guys just stop fighting bad guys? Because even though half the population of Earth disappears, that doesn't mean that there still aren't bad people out there who are going to take advantage of that. Right. And, you know, we, we get we get a hint of that with with Nat and her her checking in with all of her team members who are bouncing around trying to, you know, hit hotspots and whatever. But and, you know, Cap is doing therapy sessions, which I guess is a really nice nod for, you know, towards what Sam was doing in Winter Soldier. But Cap should have been out, you know, um, he should have been, you know, why did he hang everything up? And just yeah. sort of like want to talk to people. I mean, it was it, even. I'm sorry to interrupt, but just to add to that thought, he was even in the beginning looking at the bright side of what had happened. He's like, you know, right? I was going to say that even Nat, even Nat accuses him if you know, you know, if you say, you know, if you tell me to look on the bright side, I'm going to throw the sandwich at your head. Or whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that that brings up the point that you you made about you know the different levels of grief. I think you know that's part of Cap's sort of either bargaining or denial, he goes, I'm going to work with this. You know, we have to move on. Right. Even though that's the lie he tells himself. You know, he tells everybody else, you know, you've got to move on. But then he tells Nat, we're not, we're, we're the ones who don't do that. Absolutely. Who else? Okay, so before we get to the big two here, Captain America and Iron Man, uh, the Hulk, I think we should touch on a little bit. You know, I, I, I was not personally... I loved the Hulk in this movie. Don't get me wrong, but we never got a rage moment out of him. Not once really. Uh, so I think he was downplayed a little bit and coming out of infinity war where we just got a quick glimpse of him at the beginning. And then he just refused to come out. I was hoping for a little more out of the Hulk personally. For me, it was a little disappointing that his transition to banner Hulk was just handled in a line of dialogue. Yeah, you know, for the longest time, I've treated the Hulk as as a disease that needed to be cured, and for the last eighteen months in a lab, I've I've put the two pieces together, and here we are. And then he becomes like a a celebrity. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, takes pictures with you and will dab with you or whatever. <laughs> yeah. After he's like gone on how many rampages and killed how many people across the world, right. so. Right. That seemed kind of odd, uh, but it was a great way to to give Mark Ruffalo a chance to to be both of them together. Even though um, I'm not sure if it worked 100. Um, percent Right. Uh, yeah. I would have liked to have seen because you know obviously he looked different in this film than he has in the past. But when he's like full Hulk raged out, so like I guess in my mind, you know, you get that Hulk in a, in a way. Uh, right. The time. The, right. Yeah. Sure. So, but in this film, like the way he looks, you know, are we to assume then he's found like the perfect, uh, like level of transformation without going full on? Yeah, he, he's completely balanced. That that's the thing. I mean, he's he's the smart brain with the strength. So he I mean he's he's the best of both worlds. But I would love to see him though get really pissed off though in this stage, and then like uh, still be able to. I'm, yeah, I'm more. Not though. Um, in in the scene when they go back to 2012 and Cap says, you know, 
you should smash him stuff. And, and he says, wow, that's really gratuitous. And then the half-hearted <laughs> effort he makes, I could have I could have lived without seeing that. that Same that, here. That seemed yeah. like a throwaway moment. I'm like, who cares? Yeah. You know, let's 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 move things along. But yeah, I, I it, it worked and it and it didn't work. I do think he, there was a little bit more dynamic, especially at the end when they, you know, they kind of accepted that Nat wasn't coming back where he threw the bench across the lake. Mm-hmm. Like that felt more real to me. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. So they sort of took him out of the of the last battle because uh, of how badly his arm was burned. So he, again, we were back to the beginning of an Infinity War where they take the Hulk out of the equation. Right. Much like Co- Captain Marvel, if you let the Hulk go then you're in big trouble. And I guess you can't have Hulk and Cap- yeah, Captain Marvel out on the field. That's, that's a landslide, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a theory and I wanted to throw this to you guys mm-hmm. um, among others. I'm just curious if the way they're going with banner Hulk now, if they're, and we don't have that rage monster, if they're trying to make room for she Hulk. Yeah. That maybe, could- you know, have that, she's going to fill that void and kind of with the whole, um, you know, that, that scene at the end with all the female characters kind of like we got this, that moment, which yeah. was an amazing moment. But I'm just curious if like maybe that's kind of foreshadowing, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it could be. I would love to see uh, She-Hulk come to the big screen. That'd be amazing. But I'm going to throw one of my trademark uh, unpopular opinions out here and just say that that moment was so horrible for me i get what they're trying to do (laughs) and i totally respect it but it just seemed like okay so all the female characters broke away in the battle to a just assemble as a female troop right here like i don't know it was a little forced i guess the story was sacrificed a little to make a point you know what i mean visually and in the moment of the battle it was awesome to see that come together but again much like the captain marvel movie itself it was a little bit too late. That should have happened a long time ago. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. They tried to. Well, they did do that also in um, Infinity War, did they? In the trenches uh, with Black Widow, Scarlet yes. Witch. Yes. And on, I, on a smaller scale. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I also kind of got the vibe, and I went back and watched it after the fact. Like that scene, it almost felt like the original Avengers movie, kind of when they're all the original like uh, Avengers assemble when they're kind of all circling around each other. Mm-hmm. That kind of it had that same feel, so I don't know if that was kind of like, hey, this is the future, you know what I mean? It very well could be. I mean, it's it's been laid out as such, you know, with Valkyrie taking uh, the throne of New Asgard. You know, I, th- I I'm not sure who is the female Thor in the current comic series, but Thor is female, isn't it? Jane Foster. Sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know. It very well could be. So, but I was thinking maybe they could be kind of going in that direction with Valkyrie, maybe. Um, you know, we've also seen uh, Pepper Potts now in rescue gear, which was awesome for me. Yeah, I loved that. That was amazing. Right. You know, I thought at the beginning of the film when Tony had her helmet with uh, Morgan, mm-hmm. I thought it was just going to be a quick nod. Like, oh, that's really cool. But that, surely that's all we'll see. Like in the first Iron Man, when Rhodey looks at the, the war machine suit and he goes, maybe another yeah, time. Yeah. You know, kind of thing one, like one that. One of the big things about the MCU, and, you know, I give I give so many props to Kevin Feige and the producers and stuff, oh, is yeah. how they were able to weave in so many subtle visual Easter eggs that – they're just there for fan service. And in this movie, when they, when they, when they visit Hank Pym's lab and you see the original Ant-Man helmet on the table, that was amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's, 
that's what, you know, they're so good at doing that. So as far as like hinting that there could be a She-Hulk, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, I totally think they can they can work that in. I mean, that's they're so good at doing that. It's sort of like just giving you a hint, just giving you a taste, and then we'll explore that later on down the road. Yeah, it seems like they're very good at doing that intentionally. It's not just kind of like an after the fact, like, oh, we should tie that in. Yeah, well, it's yeah. bait on a hook. <laughs> love to be a fly on the wall in their meeting, the writer's room, where there's those all those cards are pasted up on the wall that says this moment leads to this moment, which leads to this moment. Right. It's been doing it for 10 years, so mm-hmm. it's like tied together it's really really an amazing achievement really really is absolutely there will never be anything like it i don't even think you know the phases going forward will ever and i I, maybe i'll be wrong i hope to be proven wrong because i'd love to have something even better come out than this but you know this is the marvel i grew up with the all oh, yeah. these characters and you know like david was saying so going into these newer um generations like you know sam as captain america what oh, man. awesome moment. But those aren't comics yep. I've ever read. Right. So the relatability or, you know, the, having that background knowledge isn't quite there with a lot of these new characters I think they're going to be introducing for me. I'll get to know them, though, because the Guardians was like that. I, I didn't know anything about right. the Guardians, and I fell in love with them. So, all right. Uh, anything before we uh, anything else before we move on to Captain America here? Oh, no. I think all right. Let's just get right to Cap then. So many Good moments out of this character in this film. I know why you're laughing. Go ahead and say it, Randy. That is America's ass. That is America's ass. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That was so funny. But um, let me see. Which I think that's almost the. Is that the first time he swore in? Uh, No, I mean, he he swears in Age of Ultron. Uh, He swears in. in the beginning of Endgame, when he says, let's go get the son of a bitch. Right. Yeah, okay, that's right. Okay. And moments before that spot right there where he says he ass, he says, oh, shit, because he sees himself walking up on him. Yes. Right. Well, to hear Cap say, you got to be shitting me. That's is what it is. So awesome. Uh, what can you say about Chris Evans? He is Captain America and not the Human Torch. Yeah. That's what I can say about him. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I, I, at least in my lifetime, there will never be another Captain America. No. Absolutely not. Try to put the stars and stripes on somebody else. I'm like, that's not Captain America. So, no. uh, you know, him getting his shield back, I think, was probably, a, you know, a big moment for everyone. It was for me, you know, up until the moment Tony flips that because you don't know what he's lifted. And then he flips yeah. it and then you can see and yeah. then just the impact. What that means for them, you know, a, a resolution that of, of a feud that's been happening over how many films now. Well, well, given the the intensity of what Tony tells him before they uh, go to kill Thanos or whatever, um, right. uh, you know, he, Tony is completely justified in everything that he tells Cap about you. You know, you're a liar. You told us we would fail together, and you weren't there. Yeah. And you know, Cap lied to him about Winter Soldier killing his parents, and and um, so everything that Tony was mad about, that he was broken about, was completely justified. And, and that feeds into Steve's need to fix everything. Again, much like Thor, I mean, here's another character that has the weight of the world on his shoulders. And, and unlike Thor, he, he, he isn't, he's unbowed by it. He, he doesn't know exactly what to do with it uh, until later. But, um, you know, because of his internal optimism... You can almost see as soon as you know, as soon as Scott Lang shows up that he's like, "Oh, let's do it." It's not yeah. even a, in his mind, you know. It's like 
you figured out a way to time travel great let's do it right yeah <laughs> immediately <laughs> even before that like when they just seem on the monitor you just see a look of, like in their eye like there's a way out like right. somebody they thought had vanished his back there's a way out they immediately were on board you're right there's that brief moment of doubt is this a recorded mimic message and when matt says no that's the front door he's like oh here we go but yeah uh cap's arc in this is started in the first avenger and we you know cap finally gets his much like tony he gets his moment of rest which was amazing in itself my god what a amazing <laughs> moment in cinema period i yeah I mean, it's, it, they may have dropped the ball as far as, like, creating moments, but as far as the writing goes, the the way they echo the lines throughout these movies and the payoff when those lines get brought back, yes. what, Pepper, what, what Pepper says to Tony on the battlefield and to see, you know, Steve in Peggy's arms mm, for the dance. Right. Wow. wow. Yeah, another tearjerker was, uh, was just Steve going back to his timeline. Now... I've got questions because I, I, I still don't understand <laughs> how exactly it was happening. So he overshot and went back to, you know, a time where he could be with Peggy. So kind of answered in the time heist. OK, I, you're going to please explain to me, is he living in a world where is he like hiding from the other Captain America? Like w what's happening? Did he? Well, there's an article in Forbes that came out today that, that talks about everybody complaining about the huge plot hole about. Cap not showing up in the time device, he shows up on a bench away from there. Right. If you go back to the time house, time heist, and they go back to 1970, and they're in Pym's lab, he doesn't take just one vial of, or two vials of, of Pym particles, he takes four. Four, right. You know, once he sees Peggy in the past, I think that's where he gets the notion that I'm going to go back and fix this. That, and again, that, that, that talks about the selfishness of the characters of... Steve, you know, making sure that he gets his moment, that he yeah. gets to the life that was taken away from him. Yeah. What's the line he says? Like, I was looking, looking for some of that good life that Tony was saying or exactly. something along those yeah. lines. Yeah. I mean, Which, oh, is, it a, is, it, is it a way to honor Tony? Because, you know, he he loves Tony and and wants to do right by him. So. By living his best life, I think that was a way for him to honor Tony. I, I was wondering how much time actually passed, because knowing that the super soldier formula heals him, how long does it take him to age to hunt, you know, where he looks like that? Yeah. I mean, that's a good he, point. Yeah. Did he for 300 years, 400 years? I mean, how long was he actually alive before he goes, OK, well, now everything's OK and I can go back to that moment in time? Yeah, so okay, that, I didn't even think about that. Okay, so if the past is now your future, once you time travel into the past, so he, let's assume his age is what, 30 right. ish, 35, let's say. He's going back to what, 1940 something? Right. So yeah, by 2019, he would have been long gone, right? He would have been 108 or 110 or something like that. I mean, uh, I mean they, they, they do have the GPS, so he could have set whatever time he wanted to come back. That's true. It but, almost the way that pl scene played out, it was almost like he just went back and just stayed with Peggy up to that yeah, moment. That's what I thought. There would have been a cap that woke from the ice, in, you know, in two thousand before before the attack on New York. I mean, th there would have been a cap there, and because Peggy was a spy, because Cap knows what's going on, they they could have hit it. Right. But it seemed again, again, it's one of those. Very convoluted, very convenient <laughs> <laughs> right. ways. Like, we're answering this, but not really answering it. 
You're, you, you know, just got to believe this. You got to work with us on that. Yeah. Suspend your disbelief and then everything will work out fine. So, yeah, it, that makes more sense. I was I was just so wrapped up in the idea of like he didn't even like time, like jump back. Like he went back to that time, lived his life and just knew at this day and time to come sit on this bench by the lake. And that's where they're going to be doing it. That's where I'm going to pass the shield off. You know what I mean? Rather than actually zapping in. I mean, I know that, I know that, that all of these actors, you know, they've they're finished up their contracts and they, they're you know, they're going to move on. But I do love the fact that if they wanted to, there are other stories they could tell with Captain America, especially about how did he get all those stones back by himself? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. The- stories are going on with all that stuff. Uh, you know, how did Cap get Mjolnir back to Asgard to give it back to Thor or whatever and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it would be interesting to see if they come back or if, if in future films we get to see cameos from Chris Evans or Robert Downey Jr. or whatever. But yeah. I mean... And that, that final moment, um, <clears throat> the one that really still still chokes me up is um, the passing of the mantle to Sam because yeah, really really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, no, you're good, man. I I get it. It was a tearjerker for sure. It really was. <clears throat> knowing knowing the relationship between those two characters and and knowing how <clears throat> how much Sam loves and idolizes Cap. It's almost like a parallel with Spider-Man and Tony. <laughs> I didn't even cry this much in the theater. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, We're scooping out that emotion. Yeah. So good. So such a great payoff. Yeah. Well, I mean, we for 22 films, we've all become so emotionally invested in these characters. It's their win is our win almost. Yeah. Seeing future Captain America movies with... You know, if they choose to do that with uh, Sam, you know, doing either they just be self-titled Captain America movies or if his Captain America is going to be in just future Avenger movies. I'm excited either way. I think isn't Disney doing uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier? Isn't that another? Is it? I haven't been following the Disney Plus news quite. They're going to do WandaVision, uh, which is interesting, um, considering that based on this timeline, Vision was never created. So um, can I interject a theory on that real quick? Sure. I heard that that's set in the 50s. And isn't oh. Vision in the comics based on the Human Torch, the android, the Human Torch, which was around that time frame? Correct. And his his brain patterns uh, were Hank Pym's brain patterns, or, uh, at least in the comics. And right. they, they took the old android, android body of the Human Torch, and that was the basis for the vision right in the comics so right yeah. and then wanda had to get back there so i'm, I'm just curious if tom tra- time travel will play a part in that as well how was um vision never created in, in the new timeline I'm, I'm confused by that he died before the snap and they also uh the mind stone never came to earth or, or they they took it away and and uh so ultron was never created uh or was he well, they, where they took the time, where the stones out, they went and put them right back in at those exact same points of time. So would have wouldn't have that stuff still? Happened? It would have still or happened, or maybe not, because Tony built Ultron in response to what happened in New York, and once he snapped away Thanos and everything that he was, I don't know. Did it come at that moment? Or I, I, I think that kind of that is answered by when the Ancient One and. Bruce were talking how she said, you know, if you take it now, it's going to create kind of a divergent alternate timeline. 
Right. So you have to bring them back so that everything still happens the way it's supposed to. Right. So uh, the Mind Stone, where did it start? Gosh. The uh, Loki's Scepter, right? Yeah. So that would... Which they, was given him by Thanos, wasn't it? Was it? I think so. I don't remember. I haven't seen that first one in such a long time. But yeah, I would think as long as it, you know, that Cap went right back to the exact moment they were removed from that time and put them back in. And I guess it just depends what exactly Tony snapped away. If he just snapped away everything that was there around them, if he snapped away anything Thanos that ever was or existed, like, you know, maybe he snapped in every army he had ever, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I guess this is a good point to get into the other sort of convenient, convoluted, (laughs) if if Thanos had to go to to the uh, Nebedalir to get them to create a gauntlet that was powerful enough to harness the energy of all the stones, how is it that Tony Stark is able to do that with nanoparticles? <laughs> right. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, that's right. Real suspension of disbelief is like, oh, well, these Stark technology can do everything. And again, I love Tony Stark, but why is it always him that solves the problem? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's it's it's a fun little thing. You know, it's a fun little nod to the line he says in Age of Ultron is like, oh, no, he's the boss. I just invent everything and design everything and make everybody look good. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Marvel has so many other big brains. Of course, we, we don't see any of them in these movies. You know, Reed Richards, of course, because Sony and Fox had the rights to the Fantastic Four. Right. Uh, which and, can still be a big possibility now. Right. I mean, you know, but given the fact that the time travel was based off the quantum realm and the person who was the most familiar with the quantum realm was Hank Pym, Hank Pym was snapped, so they couldn't rely on him to, to sort of like do anything like that. And how much time passed between when they visited Tony to ask him about this problem to him solving it passed? I mean, was it the next day? Was it five weeks later? You know, yeah. right. that's all very skipped over. But the fact that Tony is the one who solves all these problems, just, again, very convenient. And you have to suspend your disbelief and say, yeah, OK, I, I get that. Yeah. And look how much of a disadvantage the future Avengers are without that brain. Right. You know, now without that one person that solves every problem. I find it kind of I wouldn't say I don't know what word I'm looking for, but not convenient. But, you know, when you were on last time, David, and you were talking about. Black Panther and how they had all this technology and you were like relieved that it wasn't just Stark tech like (laughs) none of that is mentioned in this movie like I feel like they could have like whether or not like Tony could have like pulled some Wakandan technology in or or, the gauntlet you mean yeah or just something yeah Yeah. well that's a point that I had never even thought of yeah why was Tony's nanite technology able to hold these things that have to be typically held by even if it panned over his desk and you saw like Hank Pym's notes about the quantum realm, then you could buy into it more that he like much like in the Avengers movie when it's like, when did you become an expert on particle physics last night when I did the reading, didn't anybody else do the reading? That's how quickly Tony picks all this stuff up. So if you could establish that he read all of Hank Pym's research and incorporated in his, then, then I could buy him just coming up with it. But it just seemed like he came up with it on his own. Right. Yeah. He he inverted the Mobius strip and all of a sudden it was there. And it was like, what? (laughs) Just a quick after evening, after dinner in the evening thing to do. Just figure out time travel, you know, on a whim. Right. Really easy. 
to me like that. I was like, what? Yeah, especially since also they they played Shuri up. I know she was she was snapped too, but right. all the stuff she came up with, like it just was just not even brought up right. at all. Right, right. I do hope we see more of her. I love yeah. love that character, and I wasn't even aware that she had been snapped away in the first film. I think it was it, just brushed over. Yeah, instead of just it being a nanite glove that held the stones, if they had had some vibranium in there, exactly. No, that would have like, oh, wow, yeah, I get that now. I understand that. Yeah. So. Uh, A few more things to touch on with Captain America here before we move on. Again, him, well, first, a great scene, him in the elevator with all the Hydra agents, the way he obtains the scepter, just pale Hydra. Such a nose thumb to the the comic books. Yes. A couple of years ago when they they made him uh, an agent of Hydra and just pissed everybody off, it was such a great... (laughs) moment for him to to lean in and whisper hail hydra and then that little smirk on his face oh so (laughs) it was amazing and just the confusion on on those guys's face because i for a second there you know they're grabbing for their guns you think oh man this is going to be the winter soldier all over again but uh (laughs) elevator strong let's do it let's do it yeah (laughs) played so well and then of course him uh wielding uh was uh, just that fight with him and uh, Thanos, how he's, you know, he points the hammer at the ground and pulls it up like he's pulling like a uh, like a strand of lightning out of the ground and then summons a big bolt down on him. Man, that was incredible. Love yeah. that it scene. brings up a really interesting question. If you, you know, if you go back to that moment in Age of Ultron when they're all trying to lift the hammer, you see it move just a fraction of an inch and, and Thor's face falls like, oh, shit. Right. Yes. You know, at, at that moment, did Steve know that he could pick it up and just didn't because he didn't want to embarrass Thor? Or was he still sort of like not worthy at that point? Yeah. What has happened between then and now that has made him full on worthy of the hammer? Right. And did, was he able to pick it up because Stormbreaker was there? And so the two of those kind of, you know, one had to belong to somebody and the other one had to belong to somebody else. I, I just love the moment of Thor going, oh, no, you take the little one. I'll yeah. Take the yeah. One. <laughs> That's great. Or even before that one, he's like, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, just, that, that was another problem right there I had, though. Kind of coinciding with David's point, you know, like, why is Cap only budging it an inch here and then being able to pick it up where... Back when he only budged it an inch, Thor like looked genuinely concerned, like what the yeah. hell? And then like now it's I knew it. Like he's been thinking for the past five years. Like I bet he's worthy now. Like I don't understand. I don't know because in I'd have to rewatch Thor the original Thor again because in the beginning of Thor, Thor couldn't move the hammer. Well, that's because, because you know Odin took away his all his power, right? Mm-hmm. Or wasn't worthy, or you know. And tell, you know, he whispers the phrase, you know, only those who are worthy will, you know, gain the power of Thor or whatever. And uh, but then they subvert that, you know, in Ragnarok with the whole are you God of Hammers or are you Thor, God of Thunder? Right. Yeah. I mean, but still Cap wielding the hammer and just his the way he attacks Thanos with that, the 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 shield and the the way he moves and the punches and it's just. So well done. So yeah. well done. Yeah, when he starts spinning the hammer, like when he yeah. on his first uh, run toward Thanos and then like does an uppercut with it. Right. Oh, I got goosebumps yeah. all over me. That was so amazing. Or then when he starts like hitting the, the shield with the hammer and just mm-hmm. humbling him. And then, of course, soon following that, 
the lineup behind him where he finally, finally, after all these years, says Avengers Assemble. Yeah. That's when the waterworks started for me. Oh, yeah. To, to hear that phrase, you know, after 11 years or, or seven years since the first Avengers movie. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, my God, it was so good. Again, that you know, that line, I think, comes very close behind Sam saying on your left. And yes. Then, yeah. Yes. Wow. Oh, man, the gravity behind that. Just like the the look on Cap's face when he's hearing that in his ear was. I have perfect. I have three top lines from this movie that I think I'll carry with me for the rest of my life, and those two are are number two and three. But the the number one line for me <laughs> that <clears throat> is always going to choke me up is, "I love you, three thousand. Oh, yes, absolutely. There's no (laughs) it's all people are already using it uh, all over social media. I've been seeing. But man, what an impactful line that was. Oh, Just that whole. Yeah, that's what made me lose it. And I'll I'll come back to that. (laughs) Well, I think right now, a small, tiny scene with Happy and Morgan was just that's where I lost it. Where the cheeseburger scene. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. I've got I've got a a seven year old son and a two year old daughter and. Ever since I've had them, like, I am, like, super, like, the kids freaking made me sissies, man. Yeah. <laughs> and just, I, I I knew coming in, just seeing the, the previews from uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, like, I kind of, or Far From Home, excuse me, I inferred that something was probably happening to Tony, just with Happy's interaction with Peter. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, like, had primed myself to that, so I, I was okay up until the hamburger scene, and then just... Yeah, that interaction between those two, I just I burst out. I was I was totally prepared for Cap to sacrifice himself. Um, I was too. I, I I was pretty sure that Tony was going to go. Uh, I was I was actually taken by surprise that Nat went, and then kind of ticked off about Nat going. But I, I was fully prepared for for Cap to go, and and you know knowing that he didn't. But then, you know, seeing what happens with him and how they they sort of like take him out of the of the picture, I thought that was that was really well done. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we just need to cut right into Tony. Tony talk yeah. here. It's time to talk about Tony. A lot of tease in that sentence. But, um, you know, one, obviously the first thing I have on my list here, David, you've already mentioned when, you know, not only is he telling off uh, Cap when he first gets back. Uh, to HQ, but the look of him, how good they did. I mean, I don't think he's like doing full on like Christian Bale, like method acting where he's like actually losing all this weight. Right. But damn, if it wasn't convincing, it looked so good. When he was hooked up to the IV. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And he was just skin and bones. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they did with him what they did with Hemsworth and did a little CGI work to to get him a little thinner than that. I mean, but he just looked like death warmed over and yeah. uh, you know how completely broken he was after Infinity War. So, so really well done. Mm-hmm. The eleven-year arc of Tony Stark. Wow, absolutely amazing. And you know, you feel it's. It reminds me of when uh, Logan came out. You know, these X Men movies. You know, with the original cast have been around. What I mean, when did that movie come out? Two years ago. Was it 99, 2000? Logan? Logan, yeah. Logan came out just a couple of years ago, right? Two yeah, years? Yeah. 
So it was been about what seventeen, eighteen years that we've known him as uh, Wolverine, right? And you know, growing with that character when he died at the end of uh, Logan, I, that was just uh, same kind of a uh, feel for me. Not as impactful as Tony's death was, but still, it was in that moment that you start. Like when you really lose somebody, when you really lose a loved one, you start thinking about those good times, the right. times you've had with them over the years. And how you, that's when you realize how long I've been watching this character on the big screen, how much this character actually means to me. Damn, it was so good. And it yeah, wasn't what, just, oh, go ahead. Uh, what broke me was, was Tom Holland's tone of voice uh, at the ba- you know, on the battlefield. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, them, them sharing that wonderful moment of the hug, I thought was awesome. But just hearing him breaking down. Um, yeah, when Tony was passing away. Yeah. I, mean, I was very surprised at, at, at how easily Pepper was able to let him go, but she's been through him with him so much. Um, and it, it, it's a testament to her love that she's able to, like, let him go like that. Or at least to the writing of the character it is anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Just the, the growth she's had too and just had you know, being able to kind of be there with Rhodey and Peter Parker who are just like losing it. Maybe not right. so much Rhodey, but Well, it, you know, she she understands him so well if you go if you go back to the scene where she tells where he tells her I figured it out, I figured out the time travel, and she says, You can put it to bed, but can you rest? Right, right. <clears throat> Because Tony has never been able to rest uh, since he crawled out of the cave, you know, in his line, uh, I finally understand what it is I have to do. Right. And he spent the next 10 years doing that. Um, And, you know, being so angry about being right, about, you know, there should have been a a shield of armor around the world and you guys wouldn't let me do that. Yeah. And now look at what's happened. Yeah. And to end it with his line, you know, the one that he did at the end of the first movie. I am Iron Man and just snapping his fingers was huge. Just watching because you you watch the nanites on his arm, like carry the stones up his arm to their appropriate places as he was taking the stance. Which is very interesting because when when you got to that moment and you saw uh, Dr. Strange hold up his finger, I was sure he was like, you only need to get one stone. You only need to take one away to make it in effect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking that he was referencing the the one. This is the one chance, yeah. Yeah. So later that I said, oh, he was referencing it was the one. This is the one moment. Yeah, the one outcome that's going to work. But that was such a a contradiction to what happened just minutes before where he told Tony, he's like, if I tell you, it's not going to (laughs) happen. And then, like five minutes later, he's like, "All right, I'll tell you." <laughs> yeah, what? tell. I couldn't tell if he was telling him to wait for the right moment, if he was telling him you only need to take one stone, or if this is this is the one thing that works. And they did it. They staged it so well. When Captain Marvel, you know, he he knocked her away, and then she was right back and grabbing him. And it wasn't until he removed the power stone and punched her in the face that 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 she was done with. They, they set it up like two or three times. They got him. Oh, he's back. They've got him. Oh, he's back. And then Tony finally gets knocked away and you think, oh, my God, they failed again. And he's going to snap his fingers. And then, boom. Wow. <laughs> I am inevitable. Clink. <laughs> that was such. God, that was so good. I am inevitable. I am Iron Man. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And what a impactful death scene. My God. Again, just wet eyes across the theater. 
And um, one thing I noticed with his death scene, and this might just be because I work with sound all the time, it might have gone fallen on deaf ears. But um, I'm, you know, I, I've worked with music, and I've done this podcast. I've done all kinds of stuff, and over the years, I've I've got the ability to like when I listen to a song, I can take all that sound and separate it. Listen to say the bass guitar specifically, or you know, I can pull it apart. And I noticed something with this film uh, when I, when Tony dies, when you watch his light on the reactor go out, mm-hmm. there's like a white noise that's in the film that you don't realize until the moment that it disappears. It disappears when that light goes out. Yeah, I almost heard like a... Yeah. Uh, Not even just that. I mean, there is that sound effect of like the... Okay. Like the the power down or the light going out, but just like a a frequency almost, like Mm -hmm. just a white noise that disappeared in his death. And, you know, I've heard of... um, in the past, of you know, when giving a character, introducing a character, or trying to keep a feel with a the character, there are frequencies subtly introduced that the subconscious mind hears. You know, you don't particularly knowledge acknowledge, and there are characters that are you know, look at the Guardians. They, their frequency is just classic rock music. Right, you know, you right. hear that, you know what kind of feel you're in for. Where I think other characters, it's much more subtle. Where it might just be as simple as a tone being admitted while that character's on screen to make you, you know, kind of recognize what you're, I guess, watching. Right. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. So I, I, I totally and- noticed that like a very, very, very subtle white noise that just cut out when that light went out. And that was yeah. so impactful. Uh, I, again, sound wise, I think it was very, very well directed and very well acted that, that Tony didn't have any lines of dialogue there. Yes. I mean, he has, he has that one, moment where he says pep and that's it he can't get anything else out and um i thought that was a very strong choice uh yeah for him you know not to do the deadpool thing of just rambling on and on and on uh but just have him be in the moment and die i thought was such a great choice such a great choice i agree i've seen a lot of death scenes in movies and tv shows and everything and that i I don't know what it, I guess it was just a combination of everything, but that was the most intense and just very visceral death I've seen in film before. It's it's just like David's saying, you know, there's no, there's no quick wrap up. There's no like, tell so-and-so I love them, do this, don't, don't let them, you know, whatever it might be. There's just, it's death. It is what it is. And it's happening right now. And just the, the, the acting of Robert Downey Jr. to pull that look off in his face that it was just. It totally a hundred percent. I agree with you one hundred percent on that. Yeah, he he sold that moment. There are people who can't fake dead very well, but he isn't one of them. He did yeah. damn good. And you know, Tony is our friend. We've we've yeah. been friends with Tony for eleven years, and yeah. all of us were like, oh my god. Which which goes back to why I think in Infinity War is is a much better structured, much better told movie. Uh, right. Endgame Endgame I think is a little bit. Uh, a little bit wonkier, but that that moment, that that payoff at the end, is what you carry with you. I mean, um, that's what's going. That's what you're going to remember. You're not going to remember the missteps or the mistakes. You're uh, you're going to remember Tony, uh, the shield handoff, um, 
all of those things. And, you know, even, even at the lake funeral and, you know, the camera panning through all of the groups of people there and to see all those people together at the same time. And I was, you know, it took me, I think the second viewing before I realized who the tall kid was, I was like, yeah, from Iron Man three. Yeah. Same here. Who the hell is that? And why is he there? And, and, you know, seeing Fury step out of the shadows, I mean, it was, it was good. Yeah, it was damn good. And it explains more as, you know, as, as to why we saw classic Fury and uh, this new Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. It's like, well, wait a minute. What? Did you guys stay through all the end credits? Did you get to the to the final moment? I mean, I, I waited till all the credits rolled and there was nothing. I mean, there was the like the quick like the the hammer strike, the sound of the hammer strike from yes. the original Iron, Iron Man. I did hear that. Yes. But was that just like a callback or is that an insinuation to something? Well, that's the thing. I mean, is it is it a final sound or is it the forging of something new? I don't right. I don't know. Mm, can't wait to see what's coming down the pike from these guys, man. This is they've done so good. <laughs> Mid credit scene or something like that, but I think it'll be interesting to see because Far From Home wraps up Phase Three, correct? Correct. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what's at the end of that. Yeah. Right can't wait for that one but we'll talk about that one in its own podcast right. we gotta stay game here <laughs> randy you had some stuff you were bringing to the table here what were they like predictions people were having online so just right after Endgame or right after infinity war like a lot of people were talking you know theorizing like how this is going to end um you know i know we're getting pressed for time i just kind of want to read mm-hmm. through some of these sure kind of a minor one was how um iron man gets saved once the uh, the trailer came came out and there was a lot of theory because of the toy releases that pepper and the rescue armor was going to come save him oh i see Um, like when they were adrift in space correct with him and nebula um which i kind of i I liked how they did it and that the rescue armor did come into play later on sure there was another theory that um the avengers would use the barf technology to defeat thanos by tricking him into believing that he had won so kind of like an inception type of what, the what technology the the barf which that has in what is it civil war yeah yeah where it was like young tony where he he relives his last moments with his parents before yes. they, yeah I, I hadn't heard that one no obviously i don't think that would have made for no nah, it <laughs> wouldn't have been a yeah. good movie so this last one well there's a couple other ones just uh with theoretical introduction of new and returning characters you know quicksilver you know uh nova just a lot of people. That's the thing. I was I was really hoping that when all the when all the sorcerer windows started popping open and we saw the the Nova Prime ships and stuff, I really wanted to see one Nova character flying through there. Right, that, that'd be yeah. sweet. There that was awesome. Um, Moon Dragon was another one that people were kind of like hoping for. Yeah, because being um, Drax the Destroyer's daughter, kind of um, going back to your to your Far From Home end credit prediction. I kind of I hope it's I hope it's Submariner. <laughs> yeah, that would, that be, would awesome. be awesome. Peter Peter's across the ocean. He's he's you know he's he's over his territory, and so uh, that would be awesome. But you know, knowing where Submariner falls in the comic books, and you know how he was part of the invaders during World War II, and and he would have known Cap and all that kind of stuff. I, I wonder how they're going to handle all that stuff. Yeah, if, yeah. If they introduce him, if they do end up introducing him, that is. So there is one last theory, and it kind of ties into or leads into another real, I don't know, about quick discussion. But another discussion is where does it go from here? So one of the other theories that people were throwing out there was 
maybe Thanos isn't the big bad in Endgame. Maybe it's, you know, the living tribunal or something like that, that they kind of have to, that Thanos kind of has to join forces with to kind of defeat something bigger than, you know, because of the, the ramifications of the snap. So in the same aspect where like Loki in the first Avengers was just a pawn of Thanos, you think maybe Thanos in this grand scheme is still just a pawn of someone else? Go back to Ant-Man. If you go back to the first Ant-Man, when when uh, Hank Pym is talking about the quantum, quantum realm and, and Scott goes in there, you know, there is this sort of it's it's just a line of dialogue and it, and it you know if you take it out of context it, it doesn't mean anything at all but knowing that the fact that eternity is a character in the marvel universe right and right. hang pin tells him you know you'll be in the, you know you'll messing with eternity and if eternity comes and becomes uh because he's an, an ancient what do you what do you call him he was the same Entity, thing like, yeah and, he was like ego. He was he was just like ego. He's he was one of those primordial beings that's been around since the beginning of time. If if he becomes a major threat, then yeah. Or they've got the upcoming Celestials. Um, you know, Adam Warlock is still kind of yeah. He was in the background that. with the Magnus his Magnus persona. Mm-hmm. You know, in and I'm not real up on all the the Marvel. You know, after kind of that initial snap. You know, you have the Infinity Watch and kind of all that, but. Thanos does join with some of the, the good guys to go against Magnus, correct? Like I- almost like immediately after he loses the gauntlet, like okay. pretty quickly he's like on the side, okay, how are we going to end this? Right. You know? yeah. And, um, you know, that kind of rolls into another prediction, you know, following the comics, you know, in the comics, it's Nebula who nabs the gauntlet away <laughs> from Thanos and puts it on. Right. And I thought maybe we'll see that, you know, the movie was being pretty Nebula heavy up to the end. So I thought this could actually happen. And then when uh, Barton's laying on his back holding the gauntlet and she comes and picks it up. Yeah, it says, Father, I have the stones. I thought for a second, like, we're going to see this. Right. We're going to see this. Until two seconds later, she was shot dead. But for right. those two <laughs> seconds, <laughs> they were pretty exciting two seconds, let me tell you. To me, it just this movie felt like a bookend. It felt like a good place to stop. Mm-hmm. But they're going to keep going. So it's just, you know, with with all these new properties and like you guys were saying, what's going to come next? What could possibly be big enough? And, you know, these celestial beings, like you guys are saying, a great uh a perfect thing i guess to trump thanos what else could um but you know now that we have the x-men we have the fantastic four what comes with that what comes with the fantastic four well i I know there's been talk about the eternals too so oh i said celestials i'm sorry i might have met the eternals yeah what about galactus what about onslaught (laughs) well yeah that's true but if they do Galactus, he better be a big guy in a purple suit. <laughs> <laughs> Not just an outline in the clouds. Shows up as a cloud. Uh, <laughs> no. We're all out if that happens. No, I get it. Another prediction that I personally had was really hoping for, but again, this was before I realized Shiri was gone because at the end of Infinity War, you see her uh, working on Vision pretty intensely mm-hmm. to get that stone out. And then, of course, we see how it ends where Thanos just plucks it out of his head. You know, in the comic books, you see there are two different visions. There's, you know, the vision that we have already seen in the movies. And then there's the return of Vision in the comics, who's has like an all white look right. to him, which you probably know from like the X-Men arcade games or mm-hmm. the Avengers arcade games, right. rather. And I was really thinking, like, in this time that, like, 
again, before I realized she was gone, that she would have um, completed him, brought him back. Because when Thanos pulled the stone from his head, he kind of drained to like a gray, whitish kind of right. look already. So, But I can't imagine that would probably work well in the scope of uh, wanting to bring that same character back for the WandaVision TV show. It's an interesting point. I mean, the, the Vision is dead, but the body is still around. It, it wasn't snapped away. It didn't turn to dust like everything right. else. So, you know, did the, did the Avengers store it somewhere? Uh, will, uh, will that feed into the WandaVision TV uh, miniseries or whatever? Or, or is, is Wanda going to just, like, encase herself in some sort of magical reality bubble and live her 1950s uh, bewitched kind of TV series with the with the vision. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know that would actually kind of set up a good uh, House of M introduction right, right there. Yeah, yeah. something yeah. like that were to happen. But um, you know, they just I I thought it was set up so perfectly in in uh, Infinity War that they were going to because there's that whole scene where they're theorizing what's going to happen if we take the stone out of your head and they all landed on the fact that like well once you know you're not only made up of the stone you made up the stone ultron jarvis this that once we get rid of that stone there's still a whole lot of vision left so i thought just them putting that out there was he's definitely going to be reconstructed for the next film but uh no not at all and maybe that might play into the new streaming service it could it very well could. It's just amazing to me, you know, thus far with Marvel, you know, anything that's been on screen, though they play in the, excuse me, on big screen versus television, though they play in the big reality, you're not going to see Netflix Punisher in any of our Marvel right. films. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, same with the Daredevil or any of them. Right. So uh, it's awesome to see that that's going to be happening that would, have been, that would have been very cool to see daredevil and jessica jones and luke cage show up for that final battle that would, that have, would be if anything awesome. just to step out of the portals and assume their position in line <laughs> right been such a payoff for those guys i mean just just like seeing ant-man's helmet on the desk that would have been just enough to to get the cheer out of out of everybody in the audience i mean that would have been awesome i would have yeah. surely wet my pants if that would have happened like well, how unexpected that would have been and amazing and just to bring some closure to those characters too oh, yeah yeah considering you know netflix canceled their series or whatever so. right netflix snapped them away pretty quick <laughs> didn't they i don't know if you guys saw um really quick diversion but on uh, google if you were to um google thanos when it would, uh, you might still be able to do it. When the feed comes up, there's a picture of a little gauntlet there. When you click on it, it snaps its fingers, and every single blog that contains Thanos starts disappearing, turning to ash on your phone. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, get on Google, try it out if you haven't already. It okay. should, I would imagine, it's still doing it. But all right, what else? What else we have, guys? Anything? Uh, I just have, and I'm, I'm not the first, I, I know I've seen other people talking about this the call back to the the loki series too on the the or the the open door yes where he nabs the tesseract and mm-hmm. takes off yeah, yeah. that's I, gonna I get, have you know, to be it right well when you when you deal with time travel movies i mean they, they made kind of jokiness about it in in this when they were referencing all the different movies it, it amazed me 
the the funny moment when when Rhodey and and Nebula go after the Power Stone, and she starts to walk in there, and he's like, "Wait a minute, what are you doing?" Yeah, <laughs> there's Haven't spikes you... with skeletons, and yeah. the Temple of the Power Stone. There's going to be traps, and she's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> Wait, so their their universe is based off of movie universes. Is is very interesting that they all know the same references that we do, which is very very interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with you, and I, I, there are instances that I know I've caught in the past but aren't coming to mind now, but no, I agree with you totally. Well, Peter Parker brings up all of these movie references all the time, and Tony tells him, if I hear another pop culture reference, I'll yeah. <laughs> Did you see that really old movie? Uh, so... Yeah, I really enjoyed that too. Um, another another standout moment for me was when Scarlet Witch finally got her hands on Thanos. Yeah. You know, until that rain of fire came down, it looked like she was going to have his her way with him. Yeah. If he hadn't done the rain of fire, she would have killed him, and that 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 speaks to her level of power, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. That would be awesome. And it, I mean, she is such an unstable character. I mean, maybe that's the next logical quote unquote main villain is one of the Avengers going to the dark side. Right. I mean, Mm. she came back after five years and vision is still not there. And just the way she said, you took everything from me. She's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's already lost her brother, which messed her up. You know, this is really sitting here talking, priming itself for house of M because not only all of this with now, you know, Disney absorbing Fox, they now have these X-Men characters. So they could introduce, you know, they Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch had said to them, you know, in the Age of Ultron, our parents were killed by Stark weapons. Mm-hmm. You know, they could say, oh, well, those weren't your real parents. Here's your real father, Magneto. You know, in turn, bring in Charles Xavier and really bring that House of N home. Because I don't think you could do it without the the full X-Men, could you? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. It's it's so dependent on on the mutantness of it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, changing reality like that. No yeah. more mutants and all that kind of stuff. So so many things to theorize on, and I can't believe we've actually hit a point where we're starting to taper off with. I think we've said everything we've had on our chest and on our shoulders, unless there's anything we're forgetting here. I, I just have one quick overarching thing, and if we have time to unpack this, if not, I'm sorry, but. Yeah. Um, at what point does DC just want to give up? Because I feel like Marvel is just at a pinnacle that DC is not going to touch. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Warner Brothers and, and DC are moving into the right track. I liked Shazam. I thought Shazam was okay. The Shazam family was freaking awesome. So I think I think they're moving in the right way. But they've got so much ground to cover, so much ground to cover. I yeah. don't know. The Justice League was a hot mess. Yeah. And Aquaman was good. Uh, you know what, man? I started Aquaman and turned it off 20 minutes in. Really? I did. Okay. I felt bad because I was like ready to watch it, but I just was <laughs> not. Did, did you get to the Black Manta fight? Did you get to that far? I did. In the submarine? No, no, no. The one on land. When they're like in the old town or whatever? When they're. Uh, yeah, you go, go no, watch that. that one. I didn't. That's, that's, that's a really, that's a really great sequence like there's he gets up i will watch it because i the black manta character is just cool in, in itself but when he gets under the submarine and just starts jettisoning it toward the top of the water i was like man you break right through it it would it would it would break in half like come on <laughs> you know I'm, I'm sitting there picking it apart and i, I think marvel liked, what i really liked about aquaman is how colorful it was it was so bright <laughs> yeah 
so many colors. <laughs> I'll give it another chance. I really will. I just it maybe just caught me at the wrong time that day. But um, I am curious about it because I have heard so many people say it's good. And uh, I want to give it a chance. I'll do that. But after only after I'm over Endgame, which looks <laughs> like it's going to be a few weeks. But um, I think we've said anything else. David, any other comments on Endgame? Uh, I just want to thank you guys for making me cry on a podcast. I, <laughs> I want to thank you for being uh, passionate, enough, uh, passionate enough to cry about it. Because, you know, there, everyone listening to this, most people shed tears when watching this movie, myself included. And um, I wouldn't want to be talking to anyone else who didn't have that level of passion. So thank you for being on the show with us today. And um, the first time with Karen Ashley and Walter Jones, the the black and yellow Rangers, uh, because Karen kept like punching me in the arm when stuff would happen or she, <laughs> she was clapping when she saw how excited I got about some things. And, she, and so it was really fun to see it with them. But uh, sure. uh, other than that, you know, I wish I could have seen it with you guys because I'm pretty sure we would have gone out for a beer afterwards and just like oh yeah well it had been it had turned into a lot of beers the, yeah. the conversation we would have had for sure well we'll just get down here to ohio for uh for far from home and maybe we can <laughs> yeah. ah, maybe we'll do that that would be fun all right well david do you have uh, any as far as yourself is concerned any uh irons in on the fire we need to be aware of uh, no, I mean, still proceeding along with stuff we talked about before. My novel will right. be out at the end of the year, uh, just yeah. doing the convention things and looking forward to Far From Home and Brightburn comes out. And, that looks awesome. Yeah, John Wick 3 and Godzilla King of the Monsters. There's so much coming out. Yeah, so. yeah there is. I'm really excited for Aladdin personally, too. I know it sounds uh... cheesy, but <laughs> I've always loved Aladdin. And I cannot <laughs> wait to see it, but... Anyway, be sure to check us out at our website, CandarePodcast.com, where you can uh, check out past episodes, look at YouTube uh, videos we've done, and see some of our special guests, where uh, David uh, himself is on that wall, I think more than once. So uh, head over there and check that out. There's also a space on there for you to contact us. And uh, if you like what we're doing here, again, head over to Patreon.com forward slash CandarePod and uh, throw a little love our way. Don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandarePod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. <gasps> and our other show, What If, uh, at WhatIfPod.com. It's another show we do where we just offer a single twist on reality, just like the old Marvel comics uh, What Ifs uh, used to do. But we, instead of looking at it in a comic book scope, we look at it on just our own reality. And, Which, uh, by the way, is, a, is an animated miniseries that they're doing on Disney+. Plus. So <laughs> It actually is. It actually is. So, um, yeah, check that out again, What If Pod, or just search uh, Canned Air Productions in your podcast player of choice, and uh, you'll find us that way as well. And uh, what am I forgetting, Randy? If you're heading to any uh, Wizard World events, make sure to use the uh, promo code Canned Air to get 10% off. Yeah, that's a that's a big save when you're buying con tickets because they pricey, aren't they? Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that's then going to do it then for our end game conversation. So until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Randy Hardenbrook, and I'm David J. Field. We love you three thousand, everyone. Thanks so much for listening.
no, the house is on fire. I need to get help. Do it from outside. Blowtorch! Whenever there's a fire in your house, be sure to get outside immediately. And once outside, get on CandarePodcast.com. Well, thanks for the tip, Blowtorch, but just one question. What about the fire? And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag... But let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.